Welcome to Her Legal Global. I'm your host, Faye Gelb. Our podcast is dedicated to providing you with actionable skills to empower your legal career. And today we're welcoming Debbie Mendelson. Debbie's here to talk to us about Show Me the Money. With more than two decades in the financial services business, Debbie holds a certified financial planner designation. It's the most widely recognized financial planning designation in Canada and worldwide. Debbie is a practicing life and health insurance advisor since 2009. She's also a discretionary portfolio manager with MV Wealth Partners of ACPI. She uses her extensive knowledge and experience to help individuals, families, and business owners with financial planning advice specializing in a number of areas which we're going to touch on today. Budget and savings, life and health insurance analysis, risk management, retirement planning, will and estate planning, business succession planning, and investment management. Welcome, Debbie. I just want to talk to you today about this amazing topic of show me the money. So we learned a little bit about each other in our background, and you have extensive knowledge and experience in financial planning. So it's something that women often find hard to talk about. So let's just start with what is this? What is show me the money? Talk to me about budgets. I'm I'm one of your hard cases. I probably would give you a hard time. I'm not so great at budgeting. I like to keep it all in my head. So tell me, what is this? Well, it all basically boils down to why do we even go through a budget exercise? And ultimately, there's an, there's an end goal. A budget is a series of numbers where you have money that comes in, usually through the form of income, employment income, and then on the other side, there's your money out, which is all of your expenses. And the end result you hold is a positive number, whether that's a monthly number that's positive or on an annual basis that it's positive. And what do we do with that positive number? That is ultimately why we do a budget, because we want to identify what are we able to save, how much can we save, and what ultimately are we going to be using that money for? What are the longer, the shorter and longer term goals that we're going to be using this money for? So it's important to establish a budget so that you can track what that magic number is, whether it's at the end of every month or at the end of every year. What about the people like myself who, when I sit down to budget, I suddenly realize that there's no way I can live on that budget. So I just stop budgeting and I keep on just doing what I'm doing and it all just somehow works. How, what about a person like that? What would you say to them? If it works, it's great. That's not always the case. More often than not, people get frustrated with tracking their expenses or identifying where they're spending their money. So they ultimately stop and time will carry on. And at the end of the day, you realize, oh, geez, I haven't been saving. I'm in a deficit. And then you kind of dig yourself down this rabbit hole and have no idea how to come up for air. So what is your first step when you go through this process? Okay. So once you realize that there's a willingness to have a look at what you're spending your money on, that's really is the first step is the acknowledgement of, okay, I need help the exercise yourself or you engage with a financial professional. It's that acceptance of, all right, I do need to write this down. And that's what going through a budget exercise will enable you to do. So I often work with my clients. I actually have a great Excel spreadsheet. It's a one pager and it is 
it has a lot of details in terms of different categories of where you could possibly be spending your money on. I was just going to say, before we go into that, let's just go through why is it important to do this? If there's a willingness to do it, it's important to go through the exercise. So again, that you can identify if you have an ability to save money. Wow, every, that's an interesting every, point. Who doesn't have an ability to save money? There's a lot of people that money comes in, money goes out. And sometimes and often money is going out to a higher degree than money coming in. And if you look at the Canadian debt levels, I believe that for every dollar of income that comes in, there's $3 of debt. So this so is no joke. Just, this, this is, is a, no joke. This, this is, is very serious. A serious problem. I don't, and I'm sure it's on a worldwide scale, but in Canada, especially with the rates being as low as they are, a lot of people are just spending because money is flowing. It's free. It's very little to finance right now at these low interest rates. It's going to catch up. Like with COVID. So COVID has definitely um, provided some financial relief, but these are just interim band-aid solutions. So ultimately, the government's going to come knocking. I know September 30th, income tax payments are finally due after taking months of reprieve. People have been able to postpone their mortgage payments, car payments, but these are all coming back. So if you haven't been diligent in terms of saving your money, especially during COVID, if you've had a financial uh, impact because of the pandemic, then there's, there's an issue. And it's really important to take a look back and see where have you been able to cut? Where can you cut more? So by doing the budget exercise, it gives you a good idea of where you're spending your money. Some, some costs you can't, you can't avoid. These are your housing costs, your basic living costs, your house, your, your food consumption, some travel costs in terms of car. Other than that, you have a big section, a variety of expenses that could be fine-tuned in a pinch, or it's a realization of, you know, perhaps you've been spending too much money, whether it's on clothing or entertainment. I'm talking about non-pandemic times. Right. <laughs> Nobody's going out to eat right now, but in non-pandemic times, you could be, you know, if you just have a, a look at where you're spending your money, um, these are areas that potentially you could cut in order to get you back to a positive savings. Okay, so let's just talk about what often gets in the way because we've dealt with that a little bit here. It seems like there's a very big mental component that I wasn't really aware of that a financial planner has to really be cognizant of when she's working with her clients. So tell me a bit more about what, what gets in the way of people doing this type of planning. So there's a few things that would get in the way. One is just time. We're busy. We are in a consumer-led society where it's just easy to take out that ATM card or that credit card, tap and go, and you're done. But the effort really is in tracking where you spent that money, and that takes time. It takes um, whether it's once a time and effort. Uh, so that's, that's one obstacle. Two is lack of knowledge or confidence that you can actually go through this and do it. Uh, a lot of people shy away from it because they haven't had much experience in handling their finances, whether it's that their parents have taken care of them and then they get married and 
their spouse takes over the finances and they haven't had any exposure or experience. So it's lack of knowledge. There's a fear. I'm not saying for everybody, but these are some of the obstacles. And there's definitely time is, is something that is, I would say, one of the biggest obstacles. Time and just not an appetite to, to look at this and, and fear that it's an acknowledgement of this is really what my expenses are. Oh my God. Yeah, that's a bit and of a shock. What am I gonna what am I gonna do? I don't even want to face it. And yeah. sometimes going through a budget exercise, there are some pleasant surprises because when you look at where you've been spending your money and you at, but at the end of the day, you are actually saving money. Maybe you didn't realize how much we're saving. And maybe that's... that could help you in giving you a green light to maybe spend a little bit more because you've been so cautious. So there are at times a pleasant surprise by just going through and seeing where, um, what the end result is. Okay, so let's talk about developing and practicing this. I think we need to start with this budget sheet, uh, the worksheet that you've been telling us about. So just let's go over it on a, on a higher level, but tell us a bit about it. Okay, so the budget sheet just captures your income, the money coming in. So I call it like that's the black section. And then you've got your red section. The outflows. don't want to know about that red section. <laughs> <laughs> we want the end number to be black, ultimately. But if we look at the different categories in the money outflow, which is the expense categories, you've got your fixed costs, which are your housing. And, that, and it breaks it down. It talks about your property taxes. It talks about your home insurance, maintenance and repairs, or your rent. If you've got condo fees, et cetera. And then you've got your other costs, which are not necessarily as fixed. Transportation um, is a section where you've got either your car payments, car maintenance, or just transportation on public transit. Then there's a section which is called personal expenses. And this is really where you would have to trace or go back to what is it that you're spending money on for you and your family in terms of clothing, in terms of dining out, in terms of your cell phones, entertainment, household furnishings. These are all expenses that you have a choice. You don't necessarily need these expenses to survive or to live on a daily basis, but these are, these are just general costs. So it does break it down into very detailed categories and then my suggestion that I uh, put forth to people that I work with is rather than just throwing out a number and guessing at what you're spending your money on in terms of, for example, clothing or haircuts or coffee go, or coffees. Exactly. Go back and look at your past credit card statements and see if there's a pattern because generally we don't change our strips. We are habitual in nature. So if I'm going to Starbucks, on a weekly basis and I've been doing that, I'm not gonna change, I haven't been changing that. So you go back and you'll, you'll see through either your bank statements or your credit card statements and get a sense, and I, and I would say go back for the last six months and get a sense of what you're spending your money on. Put that number down on your budget sheet. And then the go forward is being accountable to tracking the expenses on a go forward basis to see if it is consistent with what you're putting down. How long so would you do this for? I would say that the budgeting exercise, once you've actually identified all the numbers and you've got a figure and a completed budget sheet, 
it should be referenced once a month for at least six months. And then what do you do with it? There is a pattern there. So once you've got that down, you can assess whether or not there are some savings every month or at the end of a 12 month period. And that is what you use towards your longer term planning goals. I was just going to say, you don't make any dramatic changes at first. Like you're just tracking, you're figuring out where your money's going, what you're spending it on. It, what happens if you see some big expense that maybe you shouldn't be putting in there? What would you do? Would you wait? Would you get rid of it? Like, how do you deal with it? I would be acting on it right away if it really is outrageous. So some things that you could look to cut back on, um, I find that a lot of people don't package up their home and auto insurance. You can get some great deals if you just shop that every year. And if I see something that's outrageous, uh, whether it's cell phone bills or home and auto expenses, uh, that to me is something that I would point out and see if that can be addressed. It cannot be reduced. Other examples are really in the discretionary on the, the dining out. That's a huge one for a lot of people. And so if it's a matter of just shifting your habits, it's having a conversation and being honest with yourself in terms of where you're spending your money. Should you be spending more time at the grocery store and cooking for yourself? These are basic things, but it really does add up every month. If you have no control over this spending, things that you don't necessarily have to spend, but you're just doing it because it makes you feel good in the moment. But at the end, but when you can actually see on paper the end result, being negative, well, something should, should happen right away rather than, than wait. Would you recommend that you just take a certain amount of money right then and there and just say, okay, that's my budget and not worry about getting everything in place before you start cutting down? You know you're not going to cut it out completely, but you don't want to have an outrageous bill. So how would you handle it before the budget's completed? Well, you basically had nailed it right on the head in terms of if it's an outrageous amount like the dining out, then yeah, you'd have to stick to a monthly amount that makes sense. That's not outrageous. Uh, give yourself the ability to go out, but maybe cut that, cut that in half, cut that by 30% and see if it could keep coming down and see, see that if, does it significantly change your lifestyle, your happiness by making those cuts. The idea is to live within your means, if not exceed that. So you have something left over. And that really is why I work with clients is to not just to assess, are they living within their means? But the next step is, okay, well, why are we working? We're here to support our family, but we also have for ourselves and our family, some longer term goals. So that requires money. Uh, whether it's to be able to buy a house or whether it's to have a comfortable retirement, whether it's to be able to vacation multiple times a year, whatever that may be, you need to be able to save for that. You have to take that psychological component and keep that apart, keep that as a part of what you're doing here so that it's successful. If you just budget, if budget becomes onerous and draconian, you're not going to stick with it and you're going to throw the whole thing out the window. It has to Absolutely. be something that you believe that you can do and there has to be some sort of incentive. So that's why you keep enough of those Starbucks coffees or enough of that dining out, but it, it works for you at some level. Absolutely.
you were mentioning that we could look at our insurance and combine that to maybe lower some costs. Are there any other tips that you could give us about areas that we might want to look at to lower costs? Yeah, you know what? These things are as minor, but they all add up. So some of the things that I see repetitively when I go through budget exercises with my clients, one big red flag is the bank fees. This is something that people are just accustomed to paying. And I don't, for the life of me, understand why. I guess you think that you you can't (laughs) argue with the bank. I think people feel like it's an unequal bargaining power there. Well, I'm here to say you can, and you have options. And I want to be able to empower anybody to take the time, but look at what those options are. There are so many available, um, so many financial institutions that you could go to. They're online banking, but this is where the world is right now, but they're free. So, you know, I personally bank with in Toronto, Simply Financial, I broke ties from one of the major financial institutions. And since I did that years ago, I haven't paid a dollar of service charges. All my e-transfers are free. All my transactions are free. All my bill payments are free. So why am I paying the bank 20, $25 a month for what? I know, and I know that I may just at the end of the day that it could, it just, it ends up being about 250 to $300 for the year in charges and really what's that going to do but at the end of the day that's money back in your pocket and less to the banks and their profits are what they are right <laughs> um, other exactly. examples are the cashback reward credit cards so i caution anybody who worries about using a credit card for their spending and they would rather use their atm card because they know they've got the money in the bank if you are one to live within your means and pay off those credit cards on a monthly basis, you can really, um, by charging all of your expenses on a credit card, it gives you a couple of, a couple of positives from doing this. One is the cashback rewards that you could get. So just by using your card, you are, are given cash back and, and shop the market in terms of getting the maximum cash back possible. I use a, a credit card that gives me 4% cash back on my groceries and gas, others for dining out. So use the appropriate credit card for the cert, for the different category. But at the end of the day, these are your regular expenses. You might as well get some cash back for it. And the other benefit of using your credit card is that you're able to more easily track your expenses because you're going to get one or two or three statements per month, and it will clearly show you in that statement where you're spending your money. So from a tracking standpoint, rather than paying cash or debit, it's just a lot easier to track your expenses. Thank you. Um, and I will it. say that just because, because we're in COVID right now, revisit those travel reward cards. We're all doing much less travel. Um, cash is king, and my preference would be to explore the cashback credit cards versus the travel reward cards. So part of this budget planning process is not just to set it and leave it. It's to have a review process. Absolutely. And that's one of the benefits of working with a financial advisor because that advisor will hold you accountable. And so that could be a scary thought. But at the end of the day, if it's not being looked at on a regular basis to see where you're at, there's, there's no point in going through the exercise in the first place. So it's an ongoing uh, monitoring and review of your monthly expenses, but then to 
maybe have a fresh pair of eyes, have a look at it and see how does that work in conjunction with the shorter and longer term financial goals that you're setting for yourself. Okay, and you also have a couple of other documents that you work with people, the estate planner and the fact finder. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, so these are resources that I put together. It's really a, the fact finder is a document that enables one to have a look at what they have in terms of where's it, what's their income, the budget sheet that I was referencing is within that fact finder. But then it also talks about your assets. So all of your investment accounts, all of your bank accounts, and then your liabilities. So it's a document that gathers all of your financial information and it's handy to have, especially when you're looking to create a will or just to have something in place so that other people could reference it if God forbid something were to happen to you. But also it's a document that allows, if you're going to be engaging in any type of financial planning services, it's the Bible of, okay, this is a snapshot of what I have now. And in terms of this is my income, these are my assets, these are my liabilities, these are my insurance plans. These are the financial professionals that are in my corner. So that document will have you list your accountant, your lawyer, your insurance advisor. So it's, a one-stop shop in terms of disclosure. So it's a next level after our budget. We really need to have this type of document to put the whole financial picture together. Yes, it's something that I use with my clients to help create the financial plan, whether it's a retirement plan, talking about longer-term planning um, objectives, or whether it's to engage in estate planning, And so that brings me to the risk management part of this discussion for this podcast. The estate planning is a important and integral part of any financial planning discussion um, because you can set your goals, you can talk about your aspirations in terms of short and long-term goals for yourself, for your family, but you need to also have an awareness of should something happen to you, and that's through the estate planning process, what's in place so that my family is protected right now? That's in the form of insurance. That's in the form of making sure I have a will that's up to date. If something were to happen to me in terms of my mental capacity, so or God forbid I'm in, ter- I'm in an accident and I can't no longer speak for myself, do I have an acting power of attorney? So these are important longer term issues that need to be discussed and working with a planner can help you navigate that and ensure that you're covering all the bases. So that's basically why we would, what we could expect. If we put this all together, we would have our budget, we would have our financial planner, we'd have our estate planning, and we would have a complete financial picture plus a process, a framework to proceed through. And working with a financial planner, we would be able to have accountability built into it as well, which might be something really necessary, especially for those people that find it a little more challenging to budget or have those mental blocks that we were talking about before. Is there anything that you would add about what we could expect if we put this all together? Yeah, it's really just the accountability part can be daunting, but it's also 
on the flip side, it's having somebody in your corner, somebody that understands you, understands your family, understands where you want to be, and just having somebody to guide you through that whole process. And it doesn't all have to be done at once, but if you have somebody that is working alongside with you and understands truly what your concerns are and can help you navigate the whole process and at the same time educate you because it is it's a lot to take in it's a lot to understand and that sometimes puts up a a stop sign for the for and, and doesn't allow somebody to proceed because they're a don't have the, the comfort or the confidence in working with somebody that they can trust to help them guide through, them through that process so it's really important to if you're going to align yourself with a financial professional is to have an open conversation and make sure that you that you see each other at the same level and that you feel confident in allowing yourself to open up to this person and have them be there by your side to guide you through this process. And trust that they're going to hold you accountable. Yes, absolutely. I just want to thank you very much for coming on, Debbie. For Legal Global, empowering and transforming us through skills and shared wisdom. For other great episodes, follow us and be sure to check out herlegalglobal.com for a community, informative skills-based articles, and to work with me, your host, Faye Gelb.